Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Always good to be with you. I appreciate that. There's so much going on. It's unbelievable. Terror attack thwarted earlier today in Yerushalayim. They suspected that somebody was, in fact, trying to use a knife to, or was going to attempt to use his knife that he was hiding to stab somebody. I want to tell you something. I did an experiment yesterday. I was walking in Manhattan yesterday. Experiment may be the wrong word, because thank God it doesn't seem like uh, anything happens here of this magnitude, at least generally. But maybe, um, maybe... um, um, an exercise would be the right word. I'm walking in the streets of Manhattan and just imagining that somebody who's now walking behind me or beside me could potentially be somebody who's trying to harm me. And if you do that, if you engage in the exercise that I did yesterday, you start to understand what our brothers and sisters are going through in the Holy Land as they simply walk the streets I know it's very hard to quantify, Malcolm, but everybody needs to know: is there is are things less uh, are, are are things calmer in Israel today than a week ago? I guess people get used to uh, to circumstances, even when it involves escalating violence. The the actual numbers we don't know because. There are a lot of uh, attempts or things that were prevented, but it seems that the absolute number is down, uh, but there are still ongoing incidents, uh, certainly in the Hebron area. There were several, but also uh, attempts in various parts uh, of Israel. Um, we began the week with the incidents in, the, in Beersheba, a very tragic uh, incident, so... I, I can't say that the number of incidents are uh, are really down, but the the battle has taken on a much broader uh, implica- has taken on much broader implications, and that the true intent of a lot of this is coming out of why Abbas's speech uh, at the UN and the incitement that he's been engaged in about the, the Arabiyat and about the, the Al-Aqsa being under siege and about the, the, there were no temples and the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is theirs, et cetera. So much was clarified this week with the with things that you and I have talked about many times, but the press has uh, has tended to ignore uh, has now become blatantly clear. And and you're referring, I would guess, specifically again about about the propaganda machine, which gets bigger and bigger in the worldwide media, which all stems from Abbas, the PA, and other you know and other allies of theirs. I, I think that. Uh, more than clear, and the biggest part of the propaganda machine is the media, including American media. The former chairman of the BBC um, issued some very strong criticisms of their coverage of the, the Middle East. Uh, Lord Grade, who uh, was the chairman of the BBC, uh, wrote to them and talked about the nature of, of the coverage and how it is misleading, and they failed to fulfill their obligation to, to the viewers. The chairman, whose name was Cohen, who had stepped down, was also uh, uh, critical. And he points to, uh, Lord Gray, to point, point to the equivalence between the victims of terrorism, terrorism, i.e. Israelis, and Palestinians who were killed by security forces in the act of carrying out terror. And if you look at the language, and it, it's very important because 
I, I, I don't remember how uh, that the distortions were so blatant last year in Gaza. They, you know, had the same kind of headlines, you know, 12, palace, 12 uh, Gazans killed without saying that they were launching missiles. Right. Well, here you have, uh, you know, the BBC headline that a Palestinian shot dead after Jerusalem attack kills two. Well, he was the attacker, and he killed two people. And the, the CNN, you know, Joseph Toome catches fire. This, you know, it's almost ludicrous, and it, but it, it was set on fire. It was uh, arson. And then there was a headline in the L.A. Times that four Palestinian teens killed in Israeli violence. No mention that they were on a murder spree when they did this. Or NBC, man shot after rushing past police. Yeah, he was trying to stab a police officer in the neck at the, at one of the gates in the old city. So the the nature of the distortion, and I heard Yair Lapid interviewed on Hard Talk on BBC, and I have to say I give him a lot of credit. He This was during the night last night. He stood up to him, and he said at the end, I hope that you will find it in your, in your heart or that you will find the ability to give us a little bit fairer coverage. You're, you're, the nature of the coverage and the distortions, and he, he they kept hammering him to criticize the prime minister. He said, I'm not going to do that on foreign soil. Can I ask you a frank question? The the past chair of the BBC reacts the way you described, and, and thank goodness for that. What was the BBC like with Israel coverage under his leadership? Yes, I, I'm not, well, some of them, uh, actually he did try at times, but BBC's coverage is always bad. Right. Uh, NPR's coverage always bad. I mean, I heard some of the interviews that they did. NPR did, and, and it, it, it's you can't believe it. The interviewing families as if you know these are innocent schoolchildren who were who who died on a in a car accident or or were shot as they went to school, rather than acknowledging these are people who were engaged in attempts to kill people and were shot and uh, and wounded. But the most blatant case was when Abbas, started in the beginning of the week, went public and showed the picture of this 13-year-old and right. said the Israelis had killed him, etc. And you know that he left the hospital two days ago and may not right. even be charged because of his age and circumstance. I want to tell you something else that frustrates me. Maybe I shouldn't even say this, but I'm going to say it. Um, when interview programs have somebody on to state the case of the PA, and on the other side of the table is somebody from the Israeli media, and frankly... There was no reason to invite both of them, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And that's very I frustrating. Know what you mean, and it frustrates me too. And you know that it's 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 terrible. And people, we have to remember that people's impressions are created by by virtue of the coverage, because that's all that they see. And now you have a third level in this in the propagandistic campaign, which is the use of the internet. That Facebook uh, lending itself to outrageous images and and uh, portrayals and incitement and d- denying Israel clearly its right to exist, the rights of Jews to, to any place in Yerushalayim, etc. And no balance, no, no restrictions. The fact that they can call for violence, which is supposedly a violation, and there are members of Congress now who are looking into this, and there are other efforts, including potential legal actions, uh, 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 to address it, but the the racist nature of, of the comments that Abbas has made, the 
bigoted comments, the outrageous <laughs> insult to Judaism, Christianity, to the Judeo-Christian heritage, to so many other things, and then, and and the defense essentially by the media. Yeah, and not just the media, by the way, governments around the world as well. As well. And his comments are so inflammatory, and some of them so outrageous. And then Bibi, the Prime Minister of Israel, makes a statement that I would love to get your honest opinion about what you thought of it, but uh, let's say it was a bit of a stretch when it comes to the Mufti of Jerusalem. But look at the reaction to it. Look at the reaction, including from the United States government, going ahead and calling his comments inflammatory and that things need to calm down. Uh, you know, from the Israeli side, because that's what's you know that's part of what's causing all of this. What do you think of his statement about the Mufti and the reaction of the world to it? Well, people are portraying it as if he made up something that uh, uh, has no roots in history, and in fact, he may have put it in a in, in a wrong context. And I have not read the full remarks of his speech, but the fact is that the Mufti of Jerusalem, we have discussed on this show, was in Berlin, was a sympathizer of Hitler early on, not when just in November 1941 when they had the meeting where he talked about the final solution, and it is true that they wanted to dump him, and, the, and he, there were plans that were found for concentration camps to be, to be built in then Palestine, etc. So this idea that somehow he made this up out of whole cloth is ludicrous. He did not mean to exonerate Hitler. He was simply saying that right. there was an accomplice, another accomplice, right. in the in, in the horrendous acts that took place. Yeah, no question. Yeah, you don't have to convince me. I'm just saying that for those who don't, don't for those for, <laughs> for those who think he may have been, he may not have been 100 percent accurate. It's amazing what kind of reaction he got to that statement. Someone suggested you may have seen Caroline Glick's article already that he overstated the Mufti's role in the Shawah to get the media to, media to report on this. You know, Arab history, which is essentially unknown. You agree with that? Look, I don't know. I haven't spoken to him about it, but uh, I don't think I don't think that he uh, was trying to bait the media in, into the coverage of this. I think he was really saying, "Look, there is a history. If you look at the nature of the incitement that Abbas has engaged in, the calls, which, as you remember, we've been discussing for two years, more than two years, three years since yeah. the ISESCO meeting in Amman." And I know, and I know from reaction of people who stop me and talk to me about this, our discussions, um, you know, couldn't understand why I thought this was so significant. Mm-hmm. And I said to, and I told this to the Prime Minister long ago also, that this is a plan. This is not just a simple action. Nobody gets the 42 countries together and all of a sudden decides that they want to add the Muslim name to these places. And that it was a progression over the two and a half years or so, three years, where first then became hyphenated, you know, Kotel, the Western Wall, uh, uh, slash al Burak's Wall, and now only Western Wall. Now only the name of the mosque and not uh, Kever Rachel. Now only Marat Machpela. In the case of, of the, the Kotel, it was so, uh, went so far that they did not do that part, but they, it does not mention that they did remove the other, the Jewish references, uh, which is been the case for 2,000 years. Right. Nobody so, ever called it this month, not till the 1990s. Right. we got we, we got to slow down here a second, especially if there are people who haven't been following this. So so, so today, after, after the developments this week, places like Marat Machpelah, the Cave of the Patriarchs, okay, let's take that for instance, now is only 
regarded as a Muslim site? Only as a Muslim site. And this is this and and this is this and this is this week's development. This is, but it's a process. I'm saying to you. Yeah, I understand that, but I'm in 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 August there was a meeting of the World Heritage Council of the UNESCO where this was uh, pushed through, but but several years ago there was a meeting in Amman of the ISESCO, which is the Islamic Society, where all this stuff where UNESCO was present, where this whole thing was introduced and. Uh, uh, UNESCO introduced the Muslim names into the into their documents. When for, and, and my point is that for 2,000 years, every Arab document, every League of Nations, the United Nations, but every Arab historian called it Kutab Rachel. And only in the 90s did they introduce the idea that this was uh, named for Muhammad's companion or driver. Um, and the, the attempt to exclude the Judeo Christian heritage when Abbas said and, and it goes to the level to the issue of incitement where you did not hear the world press or the or leaders, uh, uh, let alone diplomats, engage in a kind of rhetoric as they have against Israel right. uh, uh, for not trying to exclude but saying that they changed the status quo, which is a blatant lie. If if the status quo was changed it was against the Jews and for the Muslims. And yet the, the the language that Arafat kept introducing and said finally a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, that not only is do that we have Jews have no claim to the temple or Christians, but even the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is ours. Right. So he's eradicating all the ties, all the links, because he wants to cut us off from the future by cutting us off from our past. Right. E- even more outrageous, as you point out, although sometimes it is frustrating how how um, big, okay, I don't want to say the wrong thing here. Even more outrageous is the claim this week and the, uh, and the decision by UNESCO or, or the, the, um, the process that they went through to decide whether, like Abbas has stated, the Western Wall is a Muslim holy site or not. Now, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of that decision, that, that was not acknowledged as a Muslim holy site. Am I right? The Kotel. Right, the Kotel, the Western Wall. Well, it, it is acknowledged as a Muslim site, but it's still acknowledged as both. Okay, so now it's both. And, but, but is that new? That so now essentially they removed that part from the from the resolution. And I have to say that the the Director General of UNESCO, with whom we spoke many times, uh, uh, Ms. Bakova, uh, just saw the outrage that this. Uh, uh, effort represented, and she came out publicly against it, and that's a very courageous move, and especially somebody who wants to run for Secretary General of the UN. But she came out against it and said, "This is, uh, you know, this is ridiculous." So, on the Western Wall, did it maintain the status quo this week or not? Was there any change? Well, it's not a physical change uh, on the places, but yes, the the, the all of the places um, uh, were never regarded as a Muslim site. Were were. were we never saw the, the Muslim names associated ah, okay. with it. Although, as you know, at Maranatha Machpelah, there was always the claim right. that, that there's a mosque there. Understood. And, and Jews have always recognized, and then you had separate hours there. Right. Kevin Rachel was not, uh, until, as I said, to the 90s, and no mention was ever made right. of this. And certainly at the Kotel. But, but what he's saying is that the Kotel is part of Al-Aqsa Mosque. Right. Understood. Just say this is our place. Right. So now let me ask you this question. Is it possible that Abbas, knowing 
Jewish history possibly better than some members of the Jewish community, unfortunately? Is it possible that because he knows that the Temple Mount is millions of times more important to us than the Western Wall, again, something that many people listening might be startled to hear, is it possible that he, knowing this, went ahead and put in this claim to sort of say to the Jewish community, you know what? Let's make let, let, let's do what you've been doing. Let's make the battle over the Western Wall so that it becomes, you know, fait accompli that we have sovereignty forever on the Temple Mount. Well, that that has been a tactic he's used, but here it goes beyond. He does not want to allow any excavations. They're blaming the tunnels. They're attacking the city of David digs. They're attacking all the archaeological efforts. Uh, they talk about the desecration uh, of the holy places. And remember that the Kotel predated Islam by 600 I, years. I understand so, that, but... No, but I, I want the listeners to understand why it's so outrageous that he would make this claim and that the world wouldn't challenge it and that you, they don't look at what would motivate somebody. I know, but our own community challenges it more than they challenge his claims to the Temple Mount. That's what frustrates me. We've woken up when they had the nerve to say something about the Western Wall. We should be a million times more outraged when he tries to talk about the Temple Mount not being a Jewish holy site. You know, I've, I've talked about it many times on the show. I agree completely that we don't worship rocks or stones. The Kotel is only holy because it's an outer restraining wall. It's the Harabais that's holy to us. I mean, if he's, if he, I, I hate, again, I got to be careful how I say this, and I don't want people to drive off the road, but if they said to us, to, to us, if they would say to the Israeli government today, you know what, we'll take the, the Western Wall, we'll give you sovereignty over Harabite, you'd have to make that deal in a second. If you remember <laughs> the controversy, because I said that on the show, that if they would tell us right now, give us Harabite, and you take the coattail. Right. That's what, what the... We're talking about the long term and the historic ties and the, what, what really has the Kedusha, the holiness. I mean, all of it belongs to us, and all of it should be available. And we believe that everybody should have access to their holy sites and whatever. But uh, absolutely, the Harabayat, the Temple Mount, is the sacred place for us. And the only desecration that took place there, if you remember when they... Of course! The they took off 400 tons of debris that are still of course. 10 years later. They're the ones who desecrate all of the holy places. And we still continue to read of the incredible discoveries coming out of that mess. Every, uh, all the time, amazing things that were found. And if you can imagine that, you know, unfortunately, the archaeological value uh, was largely destroyed because you have to look at it in the context. And, and it proves, again, that they're not capable of, of uh, being in charge, as you saw with uh, Kever Yosef. With Joseph Tum, which he later uh, Abbas then criticized. The only thing that he criticized of the violence, he hasn't condemned one of the stabbings or killings, because he recognized that his whole effort gets undermined yep. by this attack on on Kever Yosef. Not the first time or the second time that 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 was done yep. um, to to uh, a holy place, but the um, and and if you look at the rest of his speeches and the the total denial of any right of Jews, and then talking about Al-Aqsa being under siege, knowing that there's nothing that incites the population in this, the Arab Muslim world and the streets and saying Al-Aqsa is under siege, the, the, uh, and, and the consequence of all that, all of the violence, rests on his hands. Yeah. 
It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live. In the Sony and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org, and on the NSN app. want to welcome Grayson, Kentucky, listening right now on the app. Um... And I want to remind everybody, please, our silent uh, fall campaign, our silent fall campaign is ongoing right now. Help WFMU and JMNAM continue to provide services like this one. Uh, go to the top of the page at jmnam.org and donate as generously as possible. I know we have a million other things to talk about, but give me one more thing on this whole issue. Uh, the, the inflammatory um, statements by Abbas and so many others are so outrageous. You, I mean, I'm sure you saw this Gaza University dean calling for attacks on Israeli women and children. You know, right. that, that that's a good one. Oh, and by the way, as an aside, apparently, unless this is a complete hoax, apparently Abbas's brother-in-law is having life-saving surgery in Israel. He had heart surgery. <laughs> so it's not even a joke. It's a real thing. Yes, absolutely real. Craziness, I'll tell you. So Abbas and his you know, whoever we want to put in the same categories he is, have all these inflammatory statements coming out. BB says whatever we want to call it, unfortunate statement or exaggeration, or maybe you shouldn't have said it, or it was fine for him, whatever you feel about, and gets the reaction the way he did. Listeners ask me to ask you, is there a way, or there's simply no way around the bias? Is there a way to highlight the difference in the reaction of the world to BB's one comment as opposed to Abbas's million comments? Well, uh, in interviews yesterday, I did it. Others have tried to say that it's it's highly exaggerated. Even Lapid, who was you know was in the opposition uh, yesterday, uh, said uh, spoke about that. Uh, and and if you would read Abbas's speech, and you would see how his unequivocal the support for terror and his racism towards the Jewish people, the Jewish state, the Jewish religion, and against as I said Christianity, the the um, uh, and, and his uh, blasphemous charges, and knowing that, that this could uh, lead to, to the kind of violence that we have seen, and never expressing any regret or mourning, and nobody telling him about his uh, excessive language, and then finally it takes a lot of time till, till they separate, and they don't say both sides must, both sides right. always <laughs> equating the two, the firefighter and the arsonist, and, the almost pass for uh, the kind of comments, and, and it inspires others. That, you know that ten uh, uh, UN officials were, were engaged. At least ten of them were found to be using their uh, positions to to incite the, the Palestinian to to stab and to shoot. And one uh, even used his Facebook to t- calling for them to stab the Zionist dogs. They got fired. I mean, a few of them got fired last night uh, because of it. But I'm telling you, it becomes pervasive. And when a 13-year-old who lives in a comfortable place in a suburb of Yerushalayim, a guy who works for Bezek in a good position, middle class, yep. driving a nice car, just stop, just decides to ram people, this is this is the consequence of this diet of hatred. And and unlike the first intifada, it's not something you can simply. Um, and try to find out the route, or you take out a rocket launchers, or you go after tunnels. Here, it's unpredictable, which makes it much more difficult. And the potential of this continuing and spreading is very great. So 
the Israelis don't want to do anything that, you know, stokes the fire, but at the same time, no government and can or should or will tolerate this, yeah. and Israel can. That's for sure. A great day one, by the way, for Ambassador Danny Danone at the United Nations. I am biased. He's always been so gracious to us here. But I, one of the things he addressed was this whole issue of uh, the French bringing up international observers for the Temple Mount. Is that something you think may actually happen? It w- I do not believe it will happen. First of all, Israel rejects it. The United States has opposed it. But the chutzpah of the French to, to introduce this idea. You know, there is a history, if, if well, you wouldn't remember, but you may have read about. <laughs> there used to be uh, international forces in control. There was the United Nations uh, True Supervision Organizations between 49 and 67. If you remember the uh, international troops that were put much more recently in the, the Philadelphia route between Gaza and yeah, Israel, sure. as soon as there was a bullet, where'd right. they go? Boom, went and ran away. Right. But in, as part of the armistice agreement, there was, in, in 49, there was a call for free access to the holy places and cultural institutions and use of the cemetery on Harazetti, specifically mentioned. And, of course, all those things were, were denied, and, in fact, all those places uh, desecrated. And the international observers who were charged to oversee this played no role, did not do anything, no early warning, no, no uh, uh, efforts to... Uh, uh, to counter it, we told I told the French officials, and we have taken some steps that we are introduced going to ask the Security Council to consider a resolution allowing foreign troops to come to Paris to deal with the still spiraling increases in anti-Semitism in France, which, by the way, running about two times last year, which you know was a terrible year. Yeah. And this year it appears to be doubled acts of violence and etc against Jews. So if there's any place that needs to have peacekeepers sent in, <laughs> it's to go to France and to deal with the problem of anti-Semitism. There. No question about that. Um, We've got to talk about Putin and Assad, but just for a second, anything about the uh, anything noteworthy about the meeting Wednesday with uh, Angela Merkel and Bibi, or the meeting yesterday with John Kerry and Bibi? Um, the, uh, uh, no breakthroughs. Um, Look, there are a lot of agenda items between Israel and uh, and Germany, and it's unfortunate that that controversy over the comment and that Merkel, you know, stepped in saying, right. "Don't blame them; it's us. We did it. We didn't." And he did not try to, in any way, lessen the burden of Hitler as for being responsible for the act. Right. Um, but the uh, and and the meeting with Kerry uh, precedes meetings that he will have with the King of Jordan and with uh, Abbas. Uh, Kerry came out and made some, you know, fairly positive comments. But I, I have to just say that, you know, as all, all the bad news always gets headlines, but this week, in fact, the, the U.S. Uh, and Israel resumed their defense talks, as you know, the memo of understanding, which mm-hmm. will be a 10-year deal, because the current 10-year deal ends. They're talking about increasing the assistance to Israel, and this is a long-term uh, deal that could make a, a dramatic difference in Israel's ability to defend itself, the Prime Minister said. And that's going to be a big issue when he meets with uh, President Obama. Uh, but the military relationship and the support of the military for aid to Israel and recognizing that its security situation changed by virtue of the Iran agreement, that this week alone there were dozens of U.S. Air Force personnel joining the Israeli Air Force in multinational exercises at the Uvda in the, in the Arab Desert, 
There was a desert training program with officers from the U.S. Army and four countries. There was exercise in urban comment. There was the 15th Marine Expeditionary Unit. So all the time you hear about the negatives, nobody <laughs> talks about you know, these positives in addition to the fact that you saw that the Gulf states are now trying to buy Iron Dome, an enhanced version, in fact, of Iron Dome, to protect them. Yeah. Uh, there is some positive news out there. Uh, tell me about the surprise visit, uh, Assad and uh, Putin this week. Right. So we learn about the, the visit after it took place. It right. was flown on a Russian military. And I'd have to assume it was not really a surprise to Putin. <laughs> well, not a happy birthday. Because the, he- the headlines were like Assad shows up to his front door. Yes. It was ridiculous. Remember Soleimani, <laughs> the head of the Quds forces, who's leading the fight in, in Iran, to the, in, uh, the head of the Iran revolution, uh, Quds forces, who's leading the fighting in Syria, uh, had made that visit in violation of the sanctions. And I believe that Assad's visit was a violation of Syrian sanctions, but that's secondary to the fact that he went. It's a message that they're trying to send that you see the situation has improved so much so that he can leave the country. And what country would he first visit? He's expressing appreciation to the, to the Russians uh, by doing this. Obviously, he always has a shopping list uh, when he goes there. Uh, but the, the, it's a message, and it's, again, a message against America and the West. It's uh, uh, the actions this week were escalated uh, inside Syria with various parties, but the bombings by the Russian Air Force, um, the introduction of ground troops and the Iranian ground troops and their additional commitments uh, to, uh, to the fighting there, um, this is, uh, these are very serious, uh, uh, have serious implications for what the future course will be there. But this, the, his commitment, the Putin's commitment to maintaining Assad in power become very clear and that it's not just you know t- for humanitarian purposes or anything else right and the strategy to achieve that was likely the bulk of their conversation that's right wow i would have loved to have been there for that meeting <laughs> i'll tell you unbelievable um the um the feat of stephen harper now canada's canada not to insult anybody up north uh, but nonetheless, there was a uh, there was a, a a special, both symbolic and practical, approach to Israel that he took publicly, completely unabashedly, and that will be missed. It'll be more than missed, and as you know, the the Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau has already announced that he's going to pull his troops out of the his planes out of the Syrian uh, fighting. He uh, has people in his inner circle who are at least worrisome for us. The uh, and and. We know that his party and his supporters have, have never been uh, sustained the pro-Israel position that uh, Harper, who was uh, clearly uh, remarkable in every respect in his support, uh, probably put him at the, in, at the forefront of uh, all world leaders in this regard, and his willingness to be so outspoken on it. It was never you know, a hidden thing. He, he was so unabashed about it, and uh, there aren't that Again, that many leaders are the only thing most of them speak up about is when they want to criticize uh, Netanyahu. And, um, so I, I think we will miss him a lot. I think his voice w- was critical. I hope the people of Canada and the new government will sustain the, the general direction uh, of the policy. But 
the Canadian Jewish community will have their work cut out for them. Yeah, no question about it. By the way, and I'm sure you know this, oh, the truth is, I, I don't know to what extent, but you could probably tell, it, it seems, based on what I'm reading, that there, and halavai, I pray that it's the same in our community, there are large contingents of non-Jews who are making an effort to travel to Israel right now, and we've, we've pointed this, this out in the past, but you would think that, you know, under these circumstances, they might be even more hesitant, but it seems there are a lot of lovers of Israel that are insisting on going. They are going. Uh, uh, thank God the hotels still are full. Uh, many flights are full. Uh, I, uh, I had to book a flight for a short uh, while in the future, and uh, there was like one or two seats left. And there are many non-Jewish groups who committed to go and are going, and they told me that uh, by and large the number of, can- uh, of cancellations across the board has been small. What was the reaction last Shabbos? Did you get good feedback about the Shabbos of unity that hopefully made a little bit of a difference in our community? It was one of the most positive experiences I can remember through this period of darkness and uh, all the issues that since the Iran legislation, everything, we we announced it, as uh, I said last week, it took a few hours. I got all the streams to agree. But what was most remarkable is how it spread around the world in less than 24 hours. From the time we announced it, we were getting messages from all over the world and spontaneous events that uh, came about. And rabbis were saying to us that the attendance in the shuls had doubled or tripled that Shabbos. And I'm talking about an American synagogue across the board, about how much people want to do something, want this sense of unity now. People recognize that this is not just an attack on Israel or Israelis or settlers and the attempts to divide us all the time and to, as they did after the Iran vote and now in, in, over Israel, that the American Jewish community is much more united. It can be differences over particular politics or who they back or they don't back, but on the fundamental Jewish community, and they recognize this is of a different nature. This strikes at the fundamentals of our connection to Israel, the essence of the Jewish people, the essence of our heritage, that this is a war against us as it is against the, the physical state of Israel, and, uh, uh, and the reaction to the Sabbath of Solidarity, as well as to other initiatives, some of which are public and many of which are not. You know, when we call people for help or for, for support on some of the things that we are doing, uh, the, the response was immediate, and, and I didn't have people, you know, looking under the rug to see if there's something there that they won't like. Yeah, it's interesting. It's one of the positives of social media. We were speaking earlier, and you, anybody who wants to read about it, the New York Times has an article about the outrageous political songs and the the chants and the uh, and the rhetoric that's coming out of the youth um, in, in Arab areas. It's just it, it's it's. It's almost impossible to believe that that kids are growing up with this being fed into their heads, but but of course it is, and it spread so fast with social media. Juxtapose that with what happened at the end of last week, <coughs> where social media helped you and others get the word out regarding the Shabbos of Unity. So, and about uh, many of the issues, that yeah. the reaction to the UNESCO, um, right? Obviously, people have to read it. Once they read it, they get it. What the real purpose of this is, and how the Hatred of Israel is being spread by, and, and of Jews is being spread, and we will see this in manifestations of anti-Semitism in Europe. The fact that the numbers keep going up, I believe, is obviously related. It right. is a, a factor, and it's not the sole factor. Uh, but the, the uh, you know, and then this 
building on all of the tensions, et cetera, that, that from the Iran debate and then the missile launched by Iran uh, and people seeing that there's almost no reaction, that the, the, the United States, Great Britain, France, and Germany did yesterday go to the Security Council and want to see action. We're very critical of the attacks, say that it is a violation of Security Council resolution. As we said last week, it's a, it's a, it's a very clear violation and whether there will be any consequence. If there isn't, then it will be open season because they'll see that there's, there's nothing uh, for them to fear if they're in violation of, uh, uh, of the Chipoa Agreement, let alone the UN Security Council resolution. Unbelievable. Uh, two quick things from this side of the world. Um, what are your impressions? We, I always love your political scientist uh, point of view. What are, what are your impressions of uh, what happened yesterday with the hearing with uh, Hillary Clinton and ben, Benghazi? Uh, you know, the, the, everybody was looking for gotcha moments and for right. uh, deeper things, but so much has been exposed and it, it's been blunted because there's, there's very little new that can come out. And uh, I don't know that it will impact negatively her political fortunes. I think she came out as a sympathetic figure, frankly. Well, by and large, yes. Yeah. And the, uh, but it's been cleverly played till now, uh, and I think... Uh, you know, getting all the bad news about somebody out at the beginning is very smart because by now people are, as what did uh, Bernie Sanders say, they're sick and tired about the emails. Right. The yeah, he's more right than we think he is, right? And we lose, they, they lose sight of what the issues and the significance of an, of an issue might be. And it's part of the problem when you have such a long campaign, we have another year to go. I know. People just get tired of it and they, you know, they, they want to. They look at who the casualties. And by the way, don't don't overlook the staging yesterday of the Biden uh, announcement. That it was highly unusual to have an announcement of a withdrawal from a campaign with a 45-minute speech and a uh, and, and doing it in the Rose Garden with the president present. Yeah, I mean, it could have been a very important statement of support for for Biden. And I know presidents, of course, he evokes uh, Biden evokes a lot of sympathy because of what he's been through and deservedly. Um, but it seemed to me a little strange that they would make that kind of production rather than a release saying, Oh, you got to give me more than this. Come on. <laughs> Meaning what? <laughs> Meaning you're thinking what? I don't think anything. But uh, I'm just saying that I thought it was highly unusual to have that kind of a dramatic setting and that the president would join him. Right. Therefore, it made you think that maybe... Come on, Malcolm, please. We'll talk about it. <laughs> I'm, hang I'm hanging on every word. And Paul Ryan, likely Speaker of the House, anything uh, significant to say about him? He's been supportive. He's certainly been a supporter. And he, um, if he's able to, to bring some order into this chaos, I think Republicans really got to look inside instead of just looking outside and get their act in order because I think the American public is getting very tired of it. Um, and as it becomes clearer, certainly on the Democratic side, that the other candidates are out. Right. Uh, and yet the Republicans are still going through the cacophony of voices. And I think that, the, you know, Ryan is the kind of guy who can be a unifier for, for a good part of the, of the party. And he has to play it very smart for the next few uh, years. You tell anybody in shul tonight the Biden thing before you tell me, and you're in big trouble. That's what I'm saying publicly right now. I'm not saying. I, I'm just saying to you that. I come on. Ceremony, and it seems to me to be. I I the wheels are turning, Mr. Honeline. 
I can see them from here. Uh, okay, next week we'll reconvene. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak next week. There he is, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations.